0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Attack and Release show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. On this episode, we're going to be talking about why you should invest in yourself first before you invest in gear, and how to go about doing that. So Sam, you want to get into the conversation? I would love to, Matthew. So, long story short, I've always found myself nostalgic over areas and eras, which were described as a wild west
1: mm-hmm.
0: like quote unquote for instance when people say you used to be able to do anything because X was not created yet uh, back when I was a pilot you used to hear about <laughs> like pilots in the 50s and stuff like that like buzzing trains before mm-hmm. that was like made illegal or you hear about computer coders in the uh, in the 80s and then in the 70s yeah uh, <laughs> essentially just being able to get away with just Like, yeah, I hacked into a bank last night or just just doing random crap or, like, the whole actual Wild West. It's like you used to be able to do whatever you wanted. Right. Well, we live in an interesting world where people seem to want likes more than they want clients. Yes. And it's, even though more regulated type of digital, it's still a digital Wild West to an extent. Um, And... They take the job because of future posts and how whatever will make them look over uh, to other people. Yeah. Um, And they don't really care about these people, but they kind of do. Yeah. Um, This can bog you, your world, and the world down. Right. Uh, Sometimes we need to take a step back and take care of ourselves before we can move forward. Um, So this podcast is kind of... How do we do that, and what does that look like? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I've also seen that new engineers are pretty quick to jump into the game of buying gear Mm -hmm. and racking up credit card debt and more for the sake of being able to post a picture and being able to kind of act the part while, like, they're just sitting at home with nothing to do in an empty studio. Right. That's not making them money before a single client has right. ever set foot in their studio. Yep. But it makes them look more, quote-unquote, professional online. Yeah. Um, so, but what they need to be doing is they need to be investing in themselves first. And if they, their ears, and their brain, they're not operating like a finely tuned machine. Yeah. Or it's bogged down with the wrong stuff. It can You can be operating at full capacity. Yeah. But you could be bogged down with all the wrong stuff and especially with how crazy the world is, um, then you're not only hurting yourselves, but you're also hurting your client. Right. So right. that's kind of what I've seen and been thinking about the whole deal. Yeah. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've I've witnessed that a lot over the last few years where People will rack up credit card debt. Uh, I mean, I know, I know people that have literally dropped 80 grand and then they can't afford it. And they, they do all that because they think they have to put up a front that they have the right gear or the right microphone or the right, um, you know, guitars and drums or even the right studio or the room. And they literally don't have enough clients to pay the bills pay a a normal amount of bills let alone pay you know most people that are dropping that amount of money probably have bought a house or they have some sort of you know they're renting a space um and they can't afford it and it's really uh, it's really unfortunate because what's most important is uh investing into yourself which is what this whole episode is about um there's no amount especially of, when you're starting out. Yeah, when you're starting out, there's no amount of gear, um no amount of money you can spend to give your client like a great end product. Mm-hmm. And for me like being, you know, doing music for 8 plus years now, the longer I'm in this industry, the less I realize it's not about anything other than me the experience i create and solving problems for people and um i have gear that i guess helps me solve the problem but that gear is just an enhancement or an extension of me as a person you know because like you and me could you know we could both have the same compressor in front of us and we'd probably both use it differently and get different results. And both results are probably correct and professional for the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's kind of what people don't realize is that the gear and the plugins and the studio and the space uh, is all, it's just tools. And if you don't know how to use the tools, then it's worthless. Like it absolutely doesn't help you at all. And what I've seen happen is it just creates stress uh, and anxieties for people that You know, now have four or $5,000 overheads um, just to clear and break even on all their debt. uh, And they don't have any clients that want to work with them. Like four or $5,000 a month?
0: Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, nobody's getting good rates. I Mm. mean, like people, like, for example, like Vintage King gives out, I mean, they're awesome. I've used them a lot, but they'll do like 0% for 24 months or 36 months. But then after that, you know, you're paying 29. percent So they allow you to rack up, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in debt, and mm. then, you know, the intention is, oh yeah, I'll pay it off in three years, of course, because I'll be busy, because I'll have the gear. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like the whole rub this will of it. solve my problem. Yeah, the whole rub is, okay, I can I can get fifteen grand of gear from Vintage King. I can go to Guitar Center and get ten grand from them on their card. And then I can just have a regular car and get 10 more grand on there. And it's, you know, 0% for 24 months or 36 months because they're running specials all the time. And mm-hmm. you buy all that and you think, okay, now that I have all this gear, I've got the names and I can advertise it. You know, people are just going to flock to me. And usually the opposite happens. No one comes to you because they still don't care who you are. You have nothing to, you have nothing to show people Um, why they should work with you. And the few people that do come work with you usually will have a bad experience because you don't know what you're doing yet. And that's completely normal and fine that you don't know what you're doing yet. But I just see way too many people. And I had this mindset when I started was like, man, if I could just get a manly limiter, if I could just get the massive passive, if I could just get, you know... A prism converter, like then I would have a career, and mm. you know I started with nothing. I mean, I started mastering eight years ago, not even knowing what it was. But I mean, I was mastering on an inbox two and Yamaha five inch mm-hmm. speakers, and people were paying me money because <clears throat> I did something. I did something they couldn't do, you know. Um, so it's just really interesting, like looking back on it all these years later, like. You know, I have gear now and um, you know for for the last few years I've been doing really, I think you know some of my best work. and um, the gear isn't a make or break you know for me doing my, my best work. It's all about with mastering and you'll probably agree. it's about listening and, and using your ears and knowing where you need to take the song. Um, and you can kind of take the song where it needs to go, you know a, a bunch of different options. Um, you yeah, definitely have to use the definitely. same thing all the time. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I mean, especially
0: speaking into mastering. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you are you are you, you are listening. That 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 is what you are paid to right. do. Right. Um, so if you are not regularly just consuming just droves of music right and yeah i mean i understand you get a little bit burnt out and you're like you know i don't want to listen to music for the next three days <laughs> right i mean i understand that too especially after like a hard project or something right um but i mean you need to be consuming music you need to know where it's going you need right. to know who's doing what and uh like like what's popular, yeah, uh, and and what's essentially gonna what's gonna help this along, and because essentially that was influencing the artist's decision yeah. the whole time he was making he or she was making the record the whole time, so. right? <clears throat> so it's a. Uh, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way that oh well, if I have this EQ or if I have this or if I have that and um. I think there's a way to go about gear, yeah, and there's a way to, in a in a healthy way, to uh, create a little bit of a hybrid setup, right? Um, but I don't think that. I mean, I mean, ups, obsessing over, obsessing over something. If I could just get this, if I could just get that, I mean, it's just it's just not healthy behavior. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I've. I've played that game and lost. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in other areas. Yeah. So I mean, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. But I, I think within that, like the big thing that I've noticed and this is how I was for a lot of years was that like it's so much easier to complain about not having things and not having the right gear and setup and It's way easier to complain and find people that will relate to that as opposed to actually putting in the work of, like, getting clients and improving on your craft and seeing why you should invest in yourself and why um, basically learning knowledge and wisdom and talking to other people that have been in the industry for a lot of years will trump any piece of gear you ever buy. Um, and I think that's the big thing. Like, it's just easier to complain about your circumstance and complain about, you know, I'll never make it, or if I could just have this mastering thing or this microphone, then, you know, it'd be great. But because I don't have that, you know, that's why I'm in the situation I'm currently in. And that, to me, is just crap. Like, I that think is, my favorite
0: Gary Vaynerchuk quote is, the ROI on complaining is always zero. Yeah, that's it. That's perfect. And it's like... Like, I heard that, and I was like, man, that sums it up. Right. So, Yeah. That's it's just totally kind of what I try to live by. It's like anytime, like, I want to bitch about something. Right. It's like, what's, well, like, the return on the investment of bitching? Yeah. Sometimes it's worth it, and sometimes there's a necessary event that <laughs> needs to happen. Yeah. But more times than not, like, if, if it's complaining that's holding you back, yeah. and you're like, oh, I can't do this because of this. Like, when I first moved into... The room that i'm currently in yeah um i was doing that um, yeah i was it was just in in my office at work and i was like man this really sucks right like, this room isn't the right like dimensions and everything running it through all the calculators like it shouldn't work and it's like but i go into other people's studios and i I built i built the room out slow listening as i and right. listening how like the speakers and, every, and everything else interacts with yeah. everything and as i built it just kind of modifying it how it should be um and then as i as, as i went to other people's studios i was like wow i can hear a lot more in mine in my right. room than here it's like right. it's like i sit in the quote unquote sweet spot and this is like like i don't think i've ever been like more confused at like what is where right yeah and it's like i sit in my room that and i i mean it could be complete bias just because it's my room and i understand it and i understand yeah. the speakers and yeah. everything but um i've i've had several other people that have been in uh studios that like that i've regularly frequented and said yeah it's i've never struggled so hard to figure out where exactly in the stereo field that yep. guitar was sitting yeah and but then i come in here and and don't get me wrong it's like I don't have a phase aligned room like yeah. you do, Sam. I don't yeah. have. Um, I need to. I need to get a a guy. Yeah. To do that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a guy currently. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I tried to get it as sonically flat as I can and right. keep on improving and yeah. keep on like like I, I I think at first I like I deadened out the front wall so much that. I couldn't hear like where half of like verb tales and stuff yeah. like that were going it yeah. was It was very bizarre, hmm. and I was like, I need to put a little bit more energy up here, so I think it was last- it was this time last year my wife helped me build this massive two hundred pound diffuser mm-hmm. that ended up hanging on the front wall and yeah yeah, so it's just like hearing random parts of the room start to come alive it just a lot of trial and error over yeah. several months. Yeah. And using different materials, whether it's Rockwell or 703 and different, like, thicknesses and yeah. air gaps in certain areas and yeah, um, isolating subwoofers from the floor and whatnot. And, yeah. I mean, once again, it's not a perfect room, but um, I try to be pretty darn cognizant. Yeah. I mean, I've, I kind of
1: prefer more of a live room now. Um be, I think it's because most of my clients, I mean this is probably a whole other podcast, but like the majority of my clients are just not going to listen to their music on anything beyond maybe like a couple $100 monitors, entry level monitors, mm-hmm. you know. And that's like best case scenario. You know, and that's cuz I'm in Nashville, so like everybody has monitors, kind of. Everyone's got a pair of monitors. Yeah. Um but even then the majority even with people that do have monitors you know the response is always like i know my client or like my consumer is going to listen to it on earbuds laptop or phone or in the car but mainly earbuds it always comes back to earbuds and i think i don't know the exact always number always get in the car yeah car but like i thought the number was like above 80% of people like consume their music on earbuds and um you know, that's where they want it to sound the best. If that's where 80% of the market is listening to their music, then, you know, you want it to sound like that. And I found when I first started, I, my room was a lot more dead. And um, I just didn't feel like it sounded natural, you know. And I took some stuff I think stuff you can get away with it, though, if you have, like, say, loudspeakers.
0: yeah. I, I I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but yeah. I feel like normally the rooms that I see that have loudspeakers also look pretty acoustically dead in the yeah. front. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right on that. So. so, yeah, that's why I did more of a live... Like, I'm kind of counting on reflection in my room. Yeah. And, like, uh, diffusion right. more than any absorption just because it's, like... I know what it does, and I I don't like it, especially with the, the monitors that I have. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, t- for me, it's just, I always tell people, like, whatever works best for you. I mean, if you're getting a product you like and your client likes, then, you know, do that. Keep doing that. <laughs> don't go, go and. I mean, that goes back into, like, don't buy a bunch of gear if your clients are happy. Like, if everybody's mm-hmm. happy with your product and you're happy with it, why would you ever put a piece of gear, you know, to potentially mess up your your golden goose, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's what I always wrestle with because it's like I'm happy with my work. My clients are happy with my work. And every time I buy a piece of gear, I'm legitimately risking giving it an inferior product. And mm-hmm. there's been a couple times where, like, I'll buy something and then I don't use it or I return it or I sell it because... It made the product worse that I was giving people, even though it was supposed to improve it. Mm. So it's just interesting. Um, but I really, I would love to circle back to like, you know, our whole topic of why you should invest on yourself. Um, yeah, definitely. And like this whole intro thing to me, you know, we're just getting started, but I feel like it was great. But with the whole idea of investing in yourself, um, why should you invest in yourself, Matthew? Well, the number one reason that I have written down is number
0: one, because you are worth it. Yeah. Um I mean if you don't think that you are worth it, then I think there's some other things that you need to work on besides buying gear, that yeah. manly limiter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's like also it's like it's gonna it's gonna help boost your self uh, your self confidence. Um the third one that I have written down is that Um, with knowledge comes power that you're able to do things or in mastering even sometimes to not do things. Yeah. Um, and then four is that not enough people are doing it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this bizarre grind culture. Yes. Like quote unquote, like I'm like, I've, I've never really used it in context, so I don't really know (laughs) how to, but... Everyone's like, oh, on that on that workday grind, right. or Something like that. It's like, yeah. It's like no, that's. I mean, that's a that's a what that's called is a fast track to burnout. Yeah, and and especially it's like when you're, I, th- I think one of the coolest things about mastering is that you're like honing one of your senses. Yes. Like I, I I. I've always found professions that where you hone a sense. Yeah. I always thought that was really cool because it's like you're perfecting a part or you're right. trying to like like perfect that. Right. Um, it's kind of weird to think about, but um, if you're not taking care of yourself, then, I mean, this is a physical thing that will deteriorate and hearing right. does deteriorate. Right. I mean, you, if you ever look at the inside of an ear, it's like, this shouldn't work. Right. <laughs> It's like you have your dr- you, you have your eardrum that vibrates back and forth which moves this weird like elbow looking thing. Yeah. Which is attached to this sack full of liquid and then that sack full of liquid how that vibration travels through the liquid and like tickles certain hairs or something like yeah. that. Then it turns into a chemical signal going to the brain. Yeah. Hearing shouldn't work. Right. Hearing should not work at all, and in a lot of cases, people burn it out pretty darn early. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, doing the whole quote unquote grind culture, you're going to have like a dulling of the senses, right? And, and everything. And I mean, even if like you're not getting like good sleep through the night, you're going to hear differently, right? Uh, I have a friend who like lost a ton of weight, and he's a uh, he's a singer. Yeah, and like. Like, amid this process of losing weight, he, like, found, like, a higher octave. Yeah. And he's like, I can do this now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, like, actually taking care of yourself right. has a little bit of benefit and making sure you're not getting sucked into a, quote-unquote, this grind culture because you're, because it's, like, the thing to do or, right. or whatnot. It's like, you're not, and it's like, frankly, you're not even, what, grinding. Right. right? You're, like... You're sitting on Facebook. You're on YouTube. Right. You're not really doing it. You're like sitting on Instagram, sending snaps. It's...
1: You're on. You're on social media. We medias. know what you're doing. Yeah. You're on social media. You're talking media about your grind. Saying culture. You're grinding, right?
0: <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're talking about it, right?
1: Yeah. Oh man! Once you stop doing that and start putting in the work, then you you figure out that you can actually do this for a living. That's look at that. That's how it works. That's the secret. You know, like, I was, That's it. I was the guy for lots of years just, you know. Well, eight years ago, like, Instagram wasn't really a thing. Or maybe it was. I wasn't on it. But, I mean, it, it, even before social media, just going to the studio and people asking you, what are you up to? What are you doing? Oh, I'm making a beat. I'm, on, my, like, you know, just working. I'm just always making tracks. And it's like, you know, the, before social media, you just talked to people about it like you do on social media. know yeah but in person at least people could call you out on your crap (laughs) you know and people can do that online i guess but it's like there's such a saturation of people online saying like in the studio doing this on my grind my song is doing this and i'm doing this and i got a million streams and like you know it's all about does that matter like is that moving you forward to your goals does that equal any sort of financial gain is that Mm -hmm. creating any sort of longevity does that even fulfill you as a person? Which is the main thing, like, with investing yeah. in yourself. And that's, like, the main thing I want to hit on within this is, like, investing in yourself and and being fulfilled by just the process and the journey and, like, going through all, all the trials and errors. And, like, that's what makes you feel accomplished and have self-confidence. And, like... The more problems you solve and the more things like you troubleshoot and like ask questions about, um, that just builds up this super <clears> firm foundation to when someone asks you a question or say a client's like, hey, I, you know, the kick drum sounds weird or like I got this back and I don't really love that. Instead of being defensive, which is how I used to be six, seven years ago, which would be like, oh, well, the mix is this and that did that and you picked the wrong kick drum. Now, yeah. you know, I'm I'm proactive instead of reactive to it. So I now have the foundation and the wisdom of saying like, oh, you know, let me listen to that. Oh, okay, here's what we can do. Let me try this. I have this trick. Let me do this. Let me try that. You know, and telling people, you know, I'm, you know, thank you for bringing that up or like I have zero concerns about being able to solve this for you. And I can say that now because I do have like four or five options to solve every problem I feel like at this point when it comes to mastering. Mm. And when you first start, like, You don't know anything, you know? And, you know, buying gear and, like, building up social media clout just doesn't give you the answers to how to solve your client's problems. And that's what it comes down to is, like, when you do the work, when you invest in yourself, when you educate yourself, when you know, like, at the end of the day, you lay your head down and you know, like, you read that book, you applied that technique, you read through the manual, you, um, practice mastering, you, um, I don't know, cold called or emailed clients, you know, or potential clients. And like, when you actually put in that work, there's something about like, I don't know, the energy or the vibe, or I don't want to get like too new agey, but like the universe, like, I feel like recognizes that or you recognize that as a person because you're not, it's fulfilling.
0: Uh, yeah. It's fulfilling. Else. Yeah. There's, There's nothing else it's fulfilling.
1: Yeah, and that's it. Like to go to to go to bed at night and know that like you did the work and it's not even about like having the best in product or having, you know, you know the perfect master, the perfect mix or anything. It's it's about knowing that like you did your best that day and that you um created something or helped create something with a client that now is going to be you know, going to the world and probably changing somebody's life at the end of the day because that's what music Mm -hmm. does. And that's like, when you do that the right way and you do that with confidence and you've invested into yourself and you've been taking care of yourself, it just allows you to give people a better product. And that's Mm -hmm. contagious, you know. People want to work with people that, um, that take care of themselves, that know what they're doing, that are confident in their skills. And the only way you get to that spot is by putting in the work and there's no amount of gear and there's no amount of social media likes and no amount of front you can put on that will replace the amount of work, you know, the hard work you have to put in to build up relationships and clients and do the work. Couldn't agree more. Excellent. Couldn't
0: agree more. <laughs> so, let's uh so that's why you should invest in yourself. That's why you should so, invest in yourself. So the next question is how to invest in yourself. This is probably where a majority of the... This is, this is the meat and potatoes section of the podcast. Yes. If we ever have tags or metadata tags or whatever for... Meat and potatoes. <laughs> for people to click on. This will be the meat and potatoes. <laughs> 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 yes. Sorry to anyone who is a vegan. <laughs> You're not welcome anyway, so... (laughs) Bye. I don't know, Sam. You might be a vegan. I have no idea. I'm probably a
1: vegan 90% of the time, honestly. Oh. I'm a... a, I I like my meat. That's fine. I don't have an issue with it. I just... When
0: I met my wife, she was a vegan. Yeah. And I was like, can I just cook you, like, a dinner that regular people eat? (laughs) She's like, sure. So I made her... uh, I grilled some chicken... And I can't remember what I put with it, but it's like that day she's like she was never a vegan again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard so, it's hard to beat some some meat. It's hard to beat some meat. <laughs> we should. We'll we'll cut, that, cut one out. that one out. It's hard to beat some meat. Oh my That's gosh. Awesome. <laughs> I we're in. just leaving it in. Screw it. Screw it. That's funny.
0: How to invest in yourself? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is real life, yeah, <laughs> oh <shoot>. okay, <laughs> we'll keep that in here we go, moving on, perfect,
0: okay, so how to invest in yourself? number one thing is setting like realistic and attainable goals yes, um I mean it's a it's kind of the the whole mantra of you have a goal that you set and you have a strategy in order to get to that goal. Yeah. I have learned, like, t- t- take this lesson from me. This is how I have screwed up in the past. I have tanked a business or two yeah. in doing this or allowing a business partner to do this that there are... Multiple goals and there are multiple strategies. Yes, and you do not do that. You set one goal. What is the goal that you want? Yeah. Um, and then you define a strategy. And there can be multiple strategies to get to a goal. Yeah. But then figure that that strategy will then pendulum around that goal. Right. And ever and get ever closer. Yeah. Until you you attain that goal. Absolutely. Uh, until you reach it. Um. So that's really how you should go about it. And there's, like I said, there can be multiple strategies to that. Just make sure that you do not have multiple goals. Focus yeah. on one thing at a time. Yeah. I mean, you're going to beat yourself up and you're going to... I mean, I had a business partner who ended up in the hospital because he was working 18-hour days and stuff like that. Yeah, he he get stressed out because I wouldn't get stressed out. And I eventually right. had to sit him down and be like, listen... You're stressed when we have money, and you're stressed when we do not have money. Right. This is not fair to me. It's not fair to our employees. It's not fair to yourself. Right. And I said, I don't get stressed out because I make a decision that I'm not going to get stressed out. I know what it does to me mentally, physically, and I know how easily you can get sick from it. Right. So... Setting attainable goals is number one. Yeah. Uh, whether it is, <clears throat> and I mean, you can paint a broad brush or with a broad brush, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, why not get a little bit more specific as opposed to just being like, right. be a mastering engineer. It's like, okay, well, what does it take in order to do that? Right. And like set yourself a little bit of a path. Yep. I mean, perhaps you have several goals but they're all on the way to each other. Yeah, yeah. And be open for those, like, to kind of zigzag. Yep. I mean, it's life and shit happens. Right, right. So, I mean, it's kind of like rule number two on how to invest in yourself. Cut yourself a freaking break. Exactly. <laughs> that should be number yeah. two. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: that. that's like... If you can cut yourself a break and see that everything you're doing is you know, you're on a journey and, um, everything you're doing is always brand new. And so whenever we, we try new things, we, for some reason, like project that we should be a professional immediately. And when we don't attain that, we like kill ourselves and beat ourselves up over that. And there's no reason why you should be an expert after one day of mastering. Like, why would you be good at that already? No, there's no one in the world that thinks you should be good at that already. But for some reason in ourselves, because ego or pride or, you know, the motive for why we're doing what we're doing, we tell ourselves like, "I've got to be a professional after one day of mastering." And if I'm not, then I suck. And Mm -hmm. like within the goals, that's the same thing of, you know, the mentoring program I do like. I I try to help people just do the next right step. That's what it's all about. And like the thousand little baby steps finally lead to the big goal. And then when you hit that big goal, then you map out another thousand baby steps. And that to me is the only way to really um, get anywhere uh, is by just doing the next right step, you know, for your day. And sometimes that looks like reading a book on mastering. Maybe that's practicing mastering. Maybe that's just mastering and being faithful to, like, this terrible album from a terrible artist. But, you know, it's where you're at right now. And you think you should be mastering, like, you know, Diplo or, like, Skrillex or something. But right now you're mastering, like, Ronnie, who lives in his basement, who loves EDM. Like... Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie. <laughs> and uh, Classic Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie's in his basement, you know, just clicking MIDI boxes making EDM. And that's where you're at. And if that's where you're at, that's great. And your only job, you know, is to do the best you can on that project. and And if you do that over and over again, you're going to get somewhere. And if you make these little attainable goals and you see that you've got to be in this industry and this is with anything in life, if you want it to be sustainable, you got to have a huge long-term, you know, picture or vision in your head. Um, and even beyond yourself, like the legacy you're going to leave for your kids and their kids. Like when you start to think that way, there's a mind shift that happens, um, that, you know, you just start to map it all out. You reverse engineer it and all of a sudden what seemed impossible, uh, becomes possible because, All you have to do is the next one step. I don't care about step 23 or 175 or, you know, 910. Like, all you do is step zero to one. And if you can do Mm. that for the day, then you get closer. And that's what what people don't want to do. They don't want to put in the work. They don't want to do step one because step one's not sexy. Like... Mm. Step one with mastering, I don't even know what that is for me. Like, I don't even know what it was. It was listen to music. Listen to music. For me, it was that some... should always be
0: a default.
1: Yeah. Consume music. Yeah, that would be a great one. I didn't start that way. Mine was some rapper was like, I was interning and he was talking to the head engineer. He's like, hey, can you master this right now after the session just ended? And we like record his vocals. And he was like, sure. And he put on an L2 with, and then followed by like an L316 and took off six DB and called it done. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. my first mastering experience, but took off six DB. Yeah. And that was it, you know, and everybody was happy. And that was the thing Making that was bricks. like, he wanted to do, that was what he was asked to do. And that was his next right step, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, it was, he's got a client who wants him to master it. And So this is what he knows of mastering and that's what he's going to do. And the client's happy Mm -hmm. and he's happy and he gets paid. And then he moves forward in his career. Like, I think you just have to hold everything so lightly and not take it so seriously and not view Mm -hmm. like every project is not going to make or break your career. You know, if you have an awesome project, it may get you other projects, but you have to keep getting more projects. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it ends. And if you have a terrible project... You know, a few people may know about it, and then if it's a terrible project, it's never coming out, so no one's going to listen to it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a wash. Like, it doesn't matter. And so, hopefully it doesn't become famous and you get known
0: for that terrible project. Yeah,
1: but even then, you're probably more successful than a lot of other people. <laughs> like, there you go. So, you know, you can you can make a lot of money off of being terrible at something. Um, yes. You know, it may not be fulfilling, but that's a whole other story. So anyway, I just... You're absolutely right with, like, making small, um, you know, attainable goals is so crucial to this whole process. Okay. Number two.
0: how Number two on the list of how to invest in yourself. Yes. So something that I like doing is investing in your creativity. So whether that's, like, going to a show or, like, you have, like, a friend on Instagram who's like, hey, so-and-so has, like, my sister's doing, like, an art gallery or something like that. Yeah. It's like, just go and, like, support, like, getting out in the community or something like that. And it's more like breaking out of your normal routine. Do something that, uh like, I, I'm an introvert. And going to a show or doing stuff like that, it's like I kind of have to force myself to do it. And then it's like, you' <laughs> it be a band that I really like. And I'm just going to be like oh, man, like, him and Han and stuff like that. It's like, I got to be around people. and Yeah. But it's like, I go, and it's like, I see, like, people that I've known for years, and I'm like, why was I ever, like, on edge about going to this show? It's like, this yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. So, and just doing that, and I mean, my wife's awesome just because she's like, you need to, like, like if she sees, it, like, I'm starting to, like, bottle stuff up or whatnot yeah. or getting a little bit anxious, she's like, you need to go, like, downtown and get a cigar or something, or you need yeah. to... Like, is there any show playing or, like, you just need to get out. Yeah. And it's like, do something that, one, gets you out of your normal routine. Yeah, And do something, more importantly, that inspires you. Yeah, That's what I've found, like, like get out from behind the computer. Yes. Like, I don't know, go for, I don't know, whether it's just going for a walk or going, Right. Writing. I don't know, do something to break that routine. But then more importantly... Uh, something that ends up inspiring you yep. and creatively.
1: Yeah, I mean, anything to get you out of your normal routine will usually inspire you. I'm the exact same way. Like, I can work, you know, for two, three weeks straight pretty much and, you know, not go out or do something different and I can feel it in myself. And it, I think it it comes back to, like, we're created and made to be around people and be involved in society in and yeah. in community, regardless of, you know, what you believe religiously mm-hmm. or whatever, it doesn't matter. At our core, as humans, we enjoy other human contact. And when you go without that, and it's really easy to do that in the music industry, you know, and, and the more busy you get, you know, the busier I've gotten, the more I have to fight for... Uh, the time to invest into my creativity, to break the routine, to make sure I am going out, to make sure I am taking care of myself and investing into myself, to make sure I am going to shows, um, and to make sure I'm doing things that, like, have nothing to do with music. And the more I do that, you know, the once again, I guess the longer I do this, the more I've started to schedule breaks and vacations. Mm-hmm. Because every time I do that, I actually come back um, stronger or better or like more fired up to, to do my work. And I usually think about things differently when I come back cause I've had an experience of some sort and, or I've talked to somebody at a bar or at a show who, you know, does something or uses a piece of gear, or tells me a tip or cause that stuff just comes up in Nashville. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, some of that stuff I can remember specifically has, like, changed my whole workflow and, like, has helped me immensely. And I would have never came to those conclusions or tried those, you know, signal chains without going out and grabbing a beer or going to a show or, like, taking a road trip or just, like, going to Guitar Center and screwing around, you know, mm. in the back DJ area or something. And, like, it's just really important to make sure that you're always, like, filling yourself up and taking care of yourself. And that definitely, to me, like... That that comes from investing in, into your creativity and, and getting out of your normal routine. So it's super important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then going on to three. Yeah. When you don't feel like breaking out of your normal routine. Yes. When you want to stay uh, at home. <laughs> I mean, I have learned like YouTube has been like it is the go-to. If your car is messed, like oh like, yeah, you need a, you need to put a new radiator in yes. your Civic or something like that. I mean, there are there are. Probably eleven hundred videos on YouTube about the different types of radiators you can put in your Civic, yep. and you can get you can get it down to your year. You can get it down to the color of Civic.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> like YouTube is has that much content, right? So I taught myself in college. I taught myself how to play guitar uh, on YouTube. Yeah. So I mean, you can learn anything. Um, you're going to get a lot of bad advice. Totally. So of course, be discerning especially in this whole uh anything that revolves around education i always yeah. push back yeah um because i don't always agree with who someone is or what they do i mean always right. all, like I, i'm i'm totally gonna regret it but i told my wife that when like our kids growing up and everything ask like i'm gonna like tell him like you need to be asking your teachers questions about yeah Like, why did this actually happen? Yeah. Like, why is this a thing? Yep. And it's like, you need to, like, you need to push for, like, those actual answers because then you'll figure out the heart behind them. Yeah. So, so but along that line, uh, YouTube is a great resource for learning everything. Forums are. um, Forums are a little bit more, like, troll. Yeah. Like, infested. Yeah. But... A good resource if you can find a couple threads that are pretty reliable. Um, Books, any other resources? I'm a fan of like old books and articles, like from when people are still trying to figure stuff out, like when audio engineers wore lab coats to work and stuff like that. What was the guy's name? Like Ken Townsend or something like that, who worked, who was an engineer at Abbey Road. Yeah. And he, I think. Whoever whoever has the ADT plugin, they interviewed him yeah. about how he invented artificial double tracking. Yeah, and just like like how it just kind of like blew the Beatles away, and yeah, as opposed to like having to go back and record another vocal and then another one and stuff like that. So it's uh, I don't know. I, I always I always like that. I also like looking at like really really old gear and just figuring out. Like, what was the point of this? What were they trying to achieve? Yes. And why are we trying to, like, why are we trying to get back to something that's, like, vintage? And, like, why is that a thing? Yes. So I I, I like doing that. And so it's like, go outside of, like, normal resources. I have a a friend who's up at Clemson, and he, him and I were talking about... um, uh, vinyl cutting and whatnot, and he yeah. went into this old uh, audio engineer's encyclopedia. And he was so nice because he, like, he totally, like, scanned, like, like his thumbs on, like, each page. So, like, yeah. he scanned it by hand. Oh, my gosh. Um, he scanned, I think it was, like, some 80 pages. Yeah. Of, like, in, over, like, spanning three chapters yeah. about vinyl cutting. Yeah. And, like, okay, well, if you want to d- master... A lot of people don't think, well, what, like, what are the roots of yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And a mastering engineer used to be the guy who would operate the vinyl lathe. Right. And <clears throat> mastering was really to prep everything for transfer onto vinyl. Right. I mean, that's that's where everything came from. Yeah. Uh, obviously evolving since then, but um, it's like, yeah, let's look at tools that these guys used right because say that i really like this song and i really like how such and such is controlled or yeah is boomy or like the just how it is right and it's like i don't know are there any pictures of this studio from way back when yeah and i can like look at what they were using and like yeah. how they were using it and stuff yeah. like that and it's like is there any way to implement something like that into a modern day studio yeah So it's just cool. And it's like, that's what people should be doing. It's like, even if you're just consuming music. Right. It's like, okay, well, I like the Rolling Stones. Okay, well, that's cool. And that's kind of like as far as people go. It's like, well, like, who did the Rolling Stones like? Exactly. And who did those people like? Yep. Because it's like, you have this, like, really, really cool boom of music. Yep. To where, like... Yeah, some of it sounds the same, some of it does not. Yeah. Um, And then you have, like, our generation that's not really going, like, deeper than, say, two generations back worth of music. Yeah. And it's like you're starting to get stuff that just kind of all melds together, blends together, sounds the same. It's like, right. I want to get, like, give me something weird, give me something new. Right. It's like, actually do some digging and figure that out. Yes. So,
1: yeah. I agree with yeah. you fully on that. Cool. Want to move on to four? Sure, let's move on to number four.
0: <clears throat> four is education. Love on education. how to invest in yourself. Um, and I, I'll let Sam take the reins on this, but say education, formal or informal. Yeah. Um, informal will be as follows, but uh, formal obviously going to a school for... Right. Your trade, yeah. Um, I always thought it'd be cool to have like an electrical engineering degree, yeah, and like <laughs> so like open up a piece of gear and yeah. be like, oh, well, what if I put this here?
1: Yeah, that'd and be ruin cool. Two
0: thousand dollars <laughs> of gear, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, in terms of informal, um, because some people think that formal education really isn't worth it, right? Um, you get into apprenticeships and mentorships, right? And last march i contacted sam and said hey i've heard a lot of your work and i think you're a cool dude and Thank you've you. done some work for some friends and <clears throat> i like how i even like how like you handle your your clients and it's like if someone's like hey can i get like a recall on this just to hear this part a little bit different. Yeah. You're like not taking it personal. Right. And it's you're essentially like who I wanted to be, like, oh. <laughs> like to my clients as a mastering engineer. Yeah. So last March I asked Sam, who has a mentorship program, hey, can you teach me what you know just because you're uh I mean, you're right around my age and yeah. you're gonna be able to kind of guide me through the ins
1: and outs of Of this, so you want to take a stab at education? Of course, I will take a stab. Uh, Education, so I didn't go to any sort of audio school. Formal education, I'll say. Um, I don't really have anything against formal education other than I think I wish that formal education could be done later in life or was encouraged to be done later in life.
0: Oh, so true.
1: Because I feel like if I went to college now... For audio, I would just love it. I would soak it up and, like, be into it. And when I went to college, I just hated college. Like, I was a good student, and I, I'm i really good at doing things. I'm really ga- – uh, not gassy. <laughs> I'm really goal-oriented. And so uh, school was never, I'll say, hard for me. I worked really hard at it, but um, I just – I didn't really ever like college and I tried to drop out a few times and my parents just kept insisting that I go, that I finish my business degree and, um, they were willing to help pay for it if I would just keep going. And so I just thought, okay, fine, I'll just keep going to college. But as soon as I was done with college, I, I was already in a band. I already knew I wanted to do music. Um, and during college, I just wanted to... I was just figuring out who I was, you know, I spent most of my, you know, I'm 29. I probably spent years 18 through 27 figuring out who I kind of want to be as a person. You know, it's taken me like almost 10 years to get through my, um, I'll say my first little journey of life, my first quarter and figuring out, oh, this is, this is why education is important. Uh, this is why, uh it's important to seek wisdom from other people. This is why it's important to learn why the rules were made and and just because I disagree with them, there's probably a lot of great reasoning why they're there and why the limitations mm. are there. And when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, I didn't care. I was such a uh, an ass to people. Um mm. because I just thought it was I was just wasting my time. And um if I could go back I don't know. I maybe hit a pause button on college and then go 6 years later or something. I mean, if I could do it all again, I just would have moved to Nashville right out of high school and did like mm-hmm. the whole intern thing and sleep in a studio, you know, on a futon or something. Um but yeah, the the I think formal education can be great and it's all about, you know, the effort you put into it. And I just think the way we have it set up right now formal education within college is not training you to be an adult and it's not training you to be in real life situations, unfortunately. And um it, and that's not the teacher's fault. It's just the way college is set up. You know, mm-hmm. college is set up basically where you take on a bunch of debt and you don't have to really think about it until you're done. I mean that's kind of shifting now because people are seeing that you actually have to pay for that debt. Mm-hmm. Um and it's pretty detrimental. But Uh, it's just, it's just set up, not like real life. And I feel like college's big thing is like, we prepare you for whatever's out there. Like we're, we make, you know, we make professionals, we make adults and they're not doing that. College is not doing that for most people. Um, and I don't think it's a professor's issue. I don't, I think it's just a bad timing. Like I don't think an 18 or 19 year old kid, like, is ready to be like formally educated, you know. That's just I mean, my figure opinion. figure it this way that
0: essentially in high school you're. And I mean, I'm not blaming any administration or whatnot. I mean, yeah. and I mean they're clamping down on all students, treating kids like babies because I mean, how else do you manage a couple thousand kids, right? Um, but it's like essentially you're taking an 18 year old, 17, 18 year old who. Six months prior, had to ask permission to go take a dump. Right, and then you're saying, "Okay, now what do you want to do with the rest of your life?" Exactly.
1: Yeah, I think that's my and whole so, thing. It's the whole
0: thing. It's like you're treating kids like children, right, as opposed to adults. Which caveat? I've always thought it was funny that they don't teach you how to pay taxes in school when schools oh, boy, get their appropriations
1: through taxes. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that was kind of ironic. I was thinking that on the way to work the morning- yeah. this morning. All of that is. There's so many things that I have learned on my own the hard way that was never mentioned Mm -hmm. in college or high school. But, yeah, I mean, formal education, I think, can be beneficial if you're willing to uh, put in the effort. But, you know, it's hard to do that when you're that age. And I think just as a human, as you develop, like once you get close to 30, you know, I'll be 30 in January, there's, I feel like the research, because I've been just like learning about, like health in the body and everything the last few years because mm-hmm. um, that's become more important to me, but just like reading about like chemical changes and the way like a male continues to grow like i'll i'm gonna I'm kind of like still going through puberty a little bit like you know through your twenties, and it's just like I think once you hit your thirties you've kind of you kind of start to level out, hopefully mm-hmm. and you can finally like start to you know think a little more clear and and realize like, oh, there's value in wisdom, there's value in foundation, there's value in tradition. And like, there's, there's things to be learned from that. And I may disagree with it, but I know how to handle my disagreement, like correctly. I know how to value opinions better. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I was 19, I didn't give a crap. I was just like, I know how to do this better faster. So I'm going to do it that way. And if you're teaching the other way, then I don't care about you. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's uh, something I deal with, I have to deal with, is that's how I treated my college, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, yeah, so so that's kind of, like, my view of formal education. And then informal education, I think informal education within music um, is great. I don't think there's anything better in life than being in a situation in a studio or something where something actually happens and goes wrong like Pro Tools freezes and crashes or like a tube explodes or uh, the singer has a sore throat um, or the power goes out or, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong in a session and with mastering too, like there's nothing, there's not a better teacher than real life, you know, and real Mm -hmm. life experience. And for me, the informal route of for me, the informal route looks like me trying to find older people that have been in the industry for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and just talking to them and saying like, how did you get here? Like, what did you do to get here? Are you happy? Do you like this? Like, is this fun? Are you miserable? Were you once happy and now you hate this? Were you unhappy and now you love it? Like, if you just ask people their story, um, and like how they got to where they are and like, some of their key things they like or the books they read or like you were saying just a minute ago with music like influences what did the bands like and what did those bands like that type of education is so practical and valuable that like (laughs) uh, it just crushes any sort of classroom education Well, think of it this way is that
0: coming out of college what was like in the down economy I don't know what the job market's like now but Coming out of college, everyone's like, <laughs> it's kind of vulgar. I always equate it to uh we want a virgin with three years of sexual experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the job market, right like,
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean I, was I remember to look for a job, yeah, when I got out of college and i I moved downtown Chicago with my band, and um, I was engaged, and I remember applying to 50 plus jobs and I couldn't even get like a full-time retail job at the time you know I ended up getting a part-time job at a salon doing marketing hmm. and I ended up it was a blessing like such great people And the boss she was awesome and like I don't I had a blast working at a salon and spa um hmm. But it just, I remember that. I remember getting out and I remember talking to my parents specifically about it and them just being like, well, you just need to keep working harder. You need to keep applying more. And I'm like, I'm literally applying to anything I see and you don't understand the economy. Like it's just toasted right now. Like there's nothing available. And anything I applied for like business wise, because I got a degree in business, like entry-level salary jobs, I mean, I was getting beat out by people with, you know, two masters, and they've been in the yeah. workforce for, you know, 20 years. And it's like, of course they're going to hire that person. Like, I would hire them. And they're going to pay them too. less
0: because it's a recession.
1: Right, yeah. So, you know, that's that's the thing with, like, edu- formal education. It's It's always a gamble. And I mean, for our mm-hmm. generation, it was like, Yeah, we got hit in the face with it, and it sucked. Like, it was really bad, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. part of my, like, you know, I still paid off some of my student loans after I was done, and the whole time it was just bitterness. It was like, why did I do this for a piece of paper, and no one wants to hire me? And that was was honestly maybe the blessing of, like, that pushed me into music and self-employment. Because it was like, well, no one else is oh, going that's to what, hire me. I, I, I,
0: that's completely what happened to me is yeah. I got I pushed into self-employment just because no one else is going to hire me. Right. And, well, <laughs> why not
1: just go after it myself? Exactly, yeah. So that, I mean, that really shoved me into like, okay, well, I'm going to be self-employed and do music because I like doing music, so let's give it a go. And that's where my education started, informal education, which looks like just finding somebody, if you can just find someone one step ahead of you and learn from them, that's huge, you know. And then after that, you learn from the next person one step ahead of you. And then if you can find those, you know, wise old gurus who have been in the industry for 20, 30 years, they have an insane amount of knowledge. And yes, they grew up in a different time and a different golden era of music. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the things they do, I feel like it just doesn't translate anymore, not technique-wise, but just approach. Um, But they just still have so many just great stories and great, like, ways to solve problems. And how do you deal with, you know, how do you deal with a client who, you know, is, like, drunk and high and they're calling their girlfriend and they have a a wife and, like, just all these crazy situations that you can run into that are, like, personal, real-life situations. And that's kind of like, I mean, we've talked about, like, if you're in the audio world, the music industry, you're basically a, like a, a psychiatrist. I mean, you're like a therapist for everybody. And I spend more time, you know, helping people understand and I spend more time educating them um, on what's the reality of the situation, what's doable, what's not, and helping them just see things more clearly. And they're—and everybody brings to the table, you know, their worries and concerns and and music represents you as a person. It's like the clothes you wear, you know? Like when you put music out, it does reflect you. And so, you know, I understand with people that's super important because it's essentially, you know, a song is your identity and you're just putting it out there for the whole world to either be like, Oh, that's cool or nah, just go on to Justin Bieber. Like <laughs> that's and that's hard to swallow. So, you know, I, I get the the guys that have been in the industry for a long time, they really know how to handle people well, and you're only in this industry for a long time if you learn how to handle people well, because that's kind of, I feel like, so much of the process of being successful in the music industry is just, you know, Nashville talks about the hang factor. That's, like, kind of the term, and it's Mm -hmm. like, well, what's the hang factor? Does he know to hang? There's so many gigs and jobs that get given to people just because they know how to hang out and be cool and make you feel comfortable um, and that's kind of the name of the game. Like this all circles back to like the gear doesn't make you like I, I have more clients than a lot of people because of the experience I create. And I only know how to create that experience because I've gone through informal education of finding other people that have been in the industry a long time who have been so generous of helping me learn how to deal with people and troubleshoot, shoot problems And, um, have invested into me and I'm forever grateful for that. So Mm. that's kind of like my overall view of education, formal, informal. Um, there's, you know, within all that, I'll just say there's always something to learn too. And there's a million ways to do things in this industry. Um, and that's kind of like the fun thing is like, you could read a book on how a compressor works and then, you know, use it totally opposite and get a different effect. And that may be the thing that people go to you for. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I feel like I see in the industry is the people that kind of learn the foundational stuff, and then they do their own thing with it, and that becomes their sound and their thing, and that becomes what you can market to people. so um, I mean,
0: figure like the guy in the '80s who pioneered what was it like with the snare, the gated reverb?: Yes, yep. it's like, I could be that guy. Yeah, exactly. Learn how to be that guy. And I mean, in in terms of informal, <clears throat> if you want to talk about a market, um, you have colleges that are completely flooded right now and inundated, uh, with people essentially going to be comp- competing for the same jobs. Right. You do an apprenticeship, you do a mentorship. Um, one, you might have a job coming out of that. Right. Um, working for them, being an engineer. Um, but not only are you getting an education, you're also getting work experience, which you will be ahead of everyone else who is hanging out in right. a, a formal institution. Right. So don't get me wrong, I also did uh formal education and um not using it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also if I would have waited, I would have gone to school for something completely different. Right. I was in a completely different part of life and yeah. I thought I was gonna be I thought I was gonna be a pilot and there was supposed to be a pilot shortage, which is actually happening right now. Hmm. Um but all the airlines and everybody kept everybody uh what was actually gonna happen is they were going to uh I think like the retirement age was sixty five for most pilots. Yeah. Or for all pilots. Yeah. And I think that for a, like because they knew about the shortage I think that they uh were a little bit lenient on that. Yeah. And but right now we are in the midst of a of a pilot shortage that
1: hmm.
0: was supposed to happen about 6 or 7 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Just a just kind of random aviation fact in case you wanted it. It's interesting. <laughs> okay. So, kind of continuing on with education. Yes. Continuing education. Yes. Figure it this way. Doctors have to do it. You right. shouldn't be above it, too. Right. Agreed. So, I mean, continuing education is great. Figuring out, like, what's going on. I mean, we'll eventually get around to doing an episode on, like, RMS and... Right. Like, DBFS and yeah. VU and... Yeah. Uh, the love scale and everything. And yes. I have... <clears throat> it's not even a love-hate relationship. I have a hate relationship with the love scale because I don't really... Uh, believe in the way that I don't think it was I don't think it was originally created in an accurate way right and I think a lot of people are making money and implementing a style of normal I think normalization is good but I think that the way that the tests were created it's not actually how we uh, listen right how humans perceive I think it was how the British wanted to control their TV volume right and I think that was it, and then yeah. and most of the tests were conducted in mono, and all stereo right. tests were, if you actually read the report, were pretty indiscernible. Indiscernible. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can't wait for that episode when we do that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's like it's like if you have a conference or something like that, and it's like I'm not really a fan of going to conferences to meet people, but yeah, it's like to listen or to just. Just educate yourself and to get yourself out there and to right. learn like what the industry is doing and
1: thinking and how yeah. its heart is beating. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. Like <clears throat> the going to conferences and different education, you know, opportunities, educational opportunities with the music industry. It's all about like there's kind of like two two people I see that go. And one one are those people that go and like get smashed by noon and are just, like, fanboying the whole time. And, like, they're just... By being at a music event, they think they've made it or, like, that's going to change their career. And then the other person is probably someone there who's, like, really trying to connect or, you know, learn something or just get, like you're saying, like, check the pulse of the industry. Yeah, um, And then maybe there's even a third person, which is, like, me. Like, I don't even go to things anymore um, because... I just don't find the value in um, what's being offered at those conferences Mm -hmm. to be um, beneficial to me anymore. But maybe I should go um, to something this year. But I haven't been to, like, a conference in years. Um, And I just, I think for me, I feel like, uh, you know, you, you go through different levels within your education. It's kind of like, you know, you go to high school and then college, you get your bachelor's and your master's and your doctorate. And you don't have to keep going back to high school once you pass it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of view some of those conferences as that for me of like, I just don't need to keep going back and hearing about or like touching all these limiters um, when I feel like I have a good grasp on certain things in the industry. But mm-hmm. I think I think there can be tremendous value if you're starting out or if you just want to like understand your culture and like, who your competition is or like who are the people that care about audio they can be a great way to meet people um and just you know soak it all up so i think continuing your education is important um i think it's just about your intentionality though about it like why are you going to those things
0: um, well, I mean, if you look like, why do doctors do continuing education? It's like, because we're discovering new things about the body yeah, and pharmaceuticals yeah, and everything like right, all the time. Right. I mean, we're discovering new things about audio and how this works at right. like, different levels. And I mean, new scientific discoveries are being figured out all the time and, yep, you're right. uh, people are going to make new types of gear and whatnot to yeah. combat certain issues that arise or, Yeah. Uh, create a specific desired result. So right. I mean, just to stay on top of that, and just. Totally. Uh, I mean, like, who's who's? Or if nothing else, it's like who's got the better mousetrap? Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And then the the sixth thing, and how you invest in yourself, and it's I should take my own advice, <laughs> is eating right, exercising, taking care of yourself. Yes. I don't do any of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you should do that, yeah. And I should. We, we have a we have a new year coming up. Perhaps a resolution is <laughs> a resolution might be might be in order. Yes. Um. But I mean, it's like I said earlier. It's like I have a friend who lost a ton of weight, and he's a singer. And he found another octave. Right. Um. I think you had what was it? Uh, Matt Weiss with the Pro Audio Files. I think that, that's his name, correct? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. He. He did a vlog for a while. I think he's doing them in seasons. I think his episode six or seven <clears throat> is all in light of uh, this one producer. I'm pretty sure from Atlanta who passed away in yeah. September. Yep. Um, and he's essentially just saying, "You need to take care of yourself." I mean, this is like the war of the audio industry is spent sitting in a chair, right? So, yep. yeah, you just need to keep that in consideration and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to be around for a while and be one of those old gray guys people are asking how all of this stuff used to work back when you had USB-1. Right. You're going to have hipsters in 20 years being like, I use USB-1 for that vintage Uh (laughs) tone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'll be a funny day. So... It's yeah. like you you just you need to take care of yourself. I need to take care of myself. Yeah. Everybody
1: needs to take care of themselves. Yeah, it's it's a it's a battle. I mean, I I come from like a a heavy set family. Um and I've struggled with my weight and health for a lot of years and then I over the last few years have really started to pay attention to it, um just because of some other uh well my dad, he has uh he has Parkinson's, so I've, I've watched that mm. over the last six, seven years. Um, and so that's really kind of woke me up to some health stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But with that, like, it's a, it's a process. Like, for me, like, over the last three years, I've lost, like, almost 20 pounds. and it's awesome. Um, I'm in a really—I'm honestly—I'm really healthy right now. I'm in probably the best place I've ever been. Um, you got a Vitamix? I have a Vitamix. I'm working out. I've been doing that consistently for a long time, for a long time, like almost two years. The Vitamix is newer, but the working out and eating healthy and cleaning <laughs> out my diet. Um, it For me, it's made a huge difference in my focus, my clarity, my energy, and just kind of like, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and this is just for me, like, it's a confidence thing it's all these little things that are compounding to give you, um, you know, self-esteem and confidence of that you are, um, you're making good choices. Like, you're taking care of yourself. And I've really embraced this thing about, like, the, the more I take care of myself, the better I can take care of other people. And that goes, like, with my wife and my friends and my parents and my brother and my clients. Like, the more I've taken care of myself... I see that, um, I'm a better person for other people and I do better Mm -hmm. work and, um, it's something like I didn't think was that important. I thought I would always just kind of be the, like, slightly soft guy and, like, just always kind of be chubby and, um, you know, I, I was unhappy and I was not super healthy and I kept gaining weight, um, when I first moved to Nashville and... I just kept eating more and Oh, drinking, you can eat your way through Nashville. Oh, I know. It's so You get the easy. hot chicken? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you mix that with, you know, three cocktails a night when you're out at a club or something, and then you recharge by having caffeine in the morning, and you find yourself, your body, just a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me about, you know, almost two years ago, basically, being stressed and unhealthy and pretty much having a full-blown breakdown, um, you know, and realizing this just isn't working like mm-hmm. you want to talk about burnout i was just burning out my body mm. um and i had some you know some wacky blood work come back with numbers and um you know the doctor basically was like you know what your body like these numbers are for like someone in their late 30s mm. um you know i was like 10 years beyond what my numbers should have shown and uh so you know that's imp- that kind of hit me in the face, and I made changes, <clears throat> small changes, super small changes. this goes back to like attainable goals, like mm-hmm. I decided to just make one little change, you know, change one thing about my diet, work out more or differently um and it's just compounding that you know over a few years and getting into you know I went through therapy, which that could be a whole other episode of us talking about taking care of yourself mentally and physically emotionally um but yeah, I can attest and testify to the benefits of taking care of yourself. Of being someone who didn't take care of themselves, who is headed to a down a destructive path, mm-hmm. um, and someone who now, like two three years later, is um, you know probably in the best shape of my life, and all my blood work is really great, and um, you know I don't have any health issues, and uh, you know I'm doing the best work. I've ever done. And I think I'm, I'm treating people the best I've ever treated them. And I'm within all that, I'm doing it because I wanted to love myself finally. Like if I'm being really honest, you know, a lot of the time I would just shame myself for being overweight or not looking like so-and-so. And And in Nashville, it's really hard because there's like hipsters everywhere and they're all, you know, 140 pounds soaking wet. And I'm a little broader and like, I just won't ever be the super thin hipster kid because my body literally isn't made that way. Like I'm a broad Mm -hmm. guy and, um, you know, I've just, I spent the last few years really just working on myself and, and making sure that I love myself first and, um, you know, doing that. Investing in yourself. What's that?
0: Investing in yourself. Yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah. Loving yourself is investing in yourself. And when you do that, you know, it, it spills over. And, um, you know, the only thing I can say is like, get people to help you with it. You know, that goes back to what we were talking about with like getting mentors or, you know, seeking out people that are 20 years ahead of you. Like if you need to take care of yourself, if you need to make health changes, like get people on board that have done it, like get people that have been through that and are like they've got it down and it's easy for them to you know be healthy and easy for them to exercise like that's who you want to be around because Mm -hmm. they've been through that process and that journey and they know how to make it last and that's what all this is about investing is about making things last and last just not just for you but like beyond yourself for you know what kind of legacy are you going to leave for your kids and for just like what kind of footprint are you making you know on the Earth, while you 're here, and what will people you know think about you when you 're gone and uh, mm-hmm. for me, that's important. I care about that, so um, that's kind of my my thoughts on taking care of yourself. I think it's really important
0: yeah, definitely, definitely, well, cool, so if anybody thinks that we missed something or overlooked something or what on why or how you should invest in yourself and yeah. what the importances of that are, feel free to, I'm sure we'll have comments somewhere. So yeah, you leave can leave that Leave that somewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let us know. We'll and talk if, about it. If
1: you like the podcast, make sure you uh, give us a thumbs up or some stars or whatever you can. Whatever we're doing. Wherever yeah. you're listening to this podcast, give us a good rating if you like it. Tell and if, friends. And, and if you hate it, tell us why.
0: Yeah. No, nothing's worse than just negative people for the sake of being negative. Right. It's like, if you're, it, it's like if you go to, it, like, nothing's worse than just complaining about something. Right. But it's like, why not
1: give a solution on how it could be better? Right. Exactly. And we're all on a journey in process, so bring on the feedback. I, I enjoy feedback. There you go.
0: So Sam, I think we I think we pretty much covered it all. You wanna you you have any words you wanna leave everyone with?
1: Uh any words. Uh invest in yourself because no one else will. This is true. Is that something?
0: (laughs) That's pretty good, yeah. There you go.
1: Okay. Uh thank you everyone for listening. Thank you very Uh, much. We love I think you we ended last time with whatever you're having, have ah, a good one. That's what we're doing, yeah. <laughs> whatever you're having today, have a good one.
0: Yeah, afternoon, morning, night, whatever you're having, have a good
1: one. We so, will talk to you all later. See you all in the next episode.